Hi, guys. Thank you for listening. I just want to say hello. And I also want to say hello to our friends at HelloFresh. <laughs> With HelloFresh, you get fresh, pre-measured ingredients and mouth-watering seasonal recipes delivered right to your door. You skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable and delicious. That's why it's America's number one meal kit. You can go to HelloFresh.com slash Funches12 and use that code Funches12 for 12 free meals, including free shipping. That seems fun. That's HelloFresh.com slash Funches12. 12 and use the code FUNCHES12 for 12 free meals and free shipping. Watching it on YouTube or Twitch at Ron underscore Funches. Wherever you get it, I appreciate it. You know what to do. Comedianteas.com. Watch Harley Quinn. Uh, Go to RonFunches.com because I'm actually starting to go on the road again. So please go get some tickets. Find out if I'm going to be in your city. Uh, Chopped 420 on Discovery Plus. Please check that out. Uh, is there anything else that I need to plug? Oh, Golden Arm always. Still watch that. I know it's out, but still, you probably didn't see it yet. So watch it. It's a good movie. Please. <laughs> Other than that, I just appreciate you all. Thank you for supporting the podcast. Thank you for supporting me. Let's do some shout outs from the Patreons. This is the, since this is the second intro of the day. You guys always know. By this one, I don't know what I'm going to say anymore. So, <laughs> If you want a shout out on the podcast, if you want your own personal affirmation from me to you to be your little cheerleader in your pocket, I would love to do that for you. Just go to patreon.com slash getting better with Ron. Support us at any level is helpful. And if you want your own personal affirmation, this $10 level will help do that for you. Just like our friends, Tamara, thank you so much for supporting you uh, from your picture. You just have wonderful hair and you are killing it. Heather in Seattle, I know you. I've met you before. I remember you coming to shows and stuff. Don't think I forgot. I ain't gotten too big. Thank you for supporting me. appreciate you. Kelly, no address given, but that doesn't mean no love given. You know we appreciate you. You are a wonderful person and a true royalty. Now, Cutie in an Audi out there in Pasadena. That's a great name. And that also lets me know you have confidence in yourself and possibly money. You seem like you're doing well. <laughs> Thank you for supporting us. Stevie out there in Portland, Oregon. I hope to see you soon. It'd be a wonderful, wonderful thing to do so. So hopefully I'll be in Portland, Oregon and seeing you soon, Stevie. Thank you for supporting the podcast. Great. No address given, but you know we love you anyway. And we love you out there in the universe, wherever you are. This is for you. And last but not least, 
my man Rich out there in Utah. I had to cancel my Salt Lake City gigs. I apologize, but Rich, you were not the reason. You're going to be the reason I come back, and I can't wait to see you. Thank you. If you want a shout out, if you want your own personal own affirmations, again, patreon.com slash getting better with Ron. Now, let's get to our affirmations. And you know how we do them. I hope you're feeling strong. Hope you're feeling brave. Hope you're feeling loved. And I hope you're feeling grateful for that love. I hope you're feeling silly and happy. I hope you're feeling confident within yourself. I hope you're feeling confident to know what you want and know what you don't want. I hope you're feeling brave enough to ask for the things that you want and to be up front, whether it's in your relationships, whether it's uh, with a partner or what you want and what you're not willing to stand for and what you desire to be your best self and to be a given partner, whether it's in your work and what you need from them. A lot of times people don't think about that. They're always about what you can do for them, what you could do for your boss, how you could put in more overtime to get better. But what can they do for you for you to be a more productive employee, whether that is more money, whether that's more benefits, whether that's more time off? I was just thinking about the other day. Something came up where it was like a 15-minute break, and I was like, man, I remember 15-minute breaks. Those suck. And I know a lot of people just got upset because they realized that I forgot about 15-minute breaks, and they sorely remember. (laughs) You might be listening to this on your 15-minute break, and I appreciate you. And I just always say, because that's not enough time to relax and enjoy yourself within that time. You always, you know, spending that first five, angry at whatever just happened and that last five dreading going back to work it's truly only a five minute break so let's get rid of that <laughs> let's get half hours or hours only let's do whatever we gotta do to state what we need to be you know whether you gotta work freelance whatever you gotta do Make yourself happy. Talk open about it. Talk to your friends. That's what this podcast is all about. I tell you what I did to get where I am. So not all of it's going to apply to you. You're not going to have the same charm and delightful voice that I have. (laughs) But you have gifts as well. And you can use your gifts to the best of your ability, sharpen them up, polishing them up, and then use them to achieve your dreams. And the reason I'm so uh, um, sure of that right now is how much you guys remember me talking about outcasts all the time and how I said outcasts is better than the Beatles and how I stick to that statement. And then I got a gift from Andre 3000 where he sent me some C- uh, record and some art that he signed. And that to me is, a if you told 12-year-old, 13-year-old me, Andre 3000 is going to send you something to your house and it's just going to, he's going to sign a note to you. I, I would have flipped, I would have, my head would have exploded. It's amazing. But deeper than that, I was able to go back, listen to a lot of outcasts. And if you listen to their open their their debut album, you go through it until their last album. 
All it is is a lot of personal truth of what they're going through. Whether you're listening to Southern Playlist, Cadillac Music, or AT Aliens, and they're talking about their struggled elevators, just trying to come up. All else, that's me and you, your mama and your cousin too, you know? And we just talking about coming up. We need to come up together. And then they talk more. It's just the truth. And that's what real art provides for you. That's what I hopefully try to bring for you. I'm not trying to compare myself to legends in any way, but I am just trying to say I am me and I try to be authentically myself and share these things with you and hope that they bring positivity and a guide and light into your life. So I'll let you know if anytime I'm ever, if something sounds like I'm bragging, something sounds like I'm, uh, out of control maybe i am (laughs) but also a lot of times it's just me trying to be honest because i don't want to a lot of times i think people hide parts of themselves because they're like oh they don't want to stick out they want to say relatable and that's not that's whether it's money that's whether it's personal beliefs as well you watch on television what's what you enjoy, what music you like. A lot of people want to hide it to fit in with the crowd. And I never, oh, I did feel like that in the past. I can't say I never felt like that. But through the gift of moving around a lot, visiting a lot of different places, noticing that nobody was really better, like, you know, I I try to say I'm not better than anybody, but nobody's better than me. And everybody likes what they like and enjoys what they enjoy. And that's what personal freedom truly is. So if you want to enjoy yourself and enjoy your life and do the things that you love, it takes a lot of hard work. It takes a lot of effort. It takes a lot of sacrifice. And that sucks. Sacrifice sucks, dick. You be like, yo, I don't know if I'm sacrificing or not. Well, if it fucking sucks, then you probably sacrifice. And if it's not sucking real bad, then you're not sacrificing. You're probably just working hard. And those are two different things. <laughs> uh, and then when you get something, share it with other people. Not necessarily that money. You don't got to do that because, again, it's that classic give a man a fish, teach a man to fish, you know? You got to teach him, be open, and be honest about the game. And that's what our next guest has done for me so much throughout this uh, my comedy career. From afar, he was just someone who I marveled at and laughed at when I was a teenager, when I was a young adult. And then as I got into comedy myself, someone that looked after me um, was one of the main reasons that I got on at midnight was uh, always someone who who um, had a kind word to tell me. And then if I had questions about the business, the guy who would tell me exact amounts. And even in this uh, episode, I think he tells you exact amounts of money that he made. Because that's helpful. Because when you don't know, people use your ignorance against you. This is a job, especially entertainment. I'm sorry to get specific, but I think in any freelance work, uh, that they will, there's vast money differences depending on how much knowledge you have and how much you're willing to defend yourself. They will come at you with an offer and then be like, this is what you you would think. Like, okay, yes, I'll say yes. And then you say, no, what about this? And then next thing you know, the offer's doubled and you're like, oh, you had double the whole time? It's crazy like that. 
Sometimes they hide in the double from you. So go get it. Now, I guess today always goes and gets that double. He's an amazing actor, writer, author, improviser, general entertainer is what I would call this man. Wherever he is, people are being entertained. Uh, he's, I, I will not throw these words around lightly, but he is a legend in comedy and a person who I deeply look up to and admire. And I hope you enjoy our conversation today with Mr. Tom Lennon. Enjoy it. Hi, Tom. I'm so glad to see you. How are you? Oh, I'm good. I'm glad to see you. Thank you for yeah. agreeing to do my podcast. Are you kidding me? Thanks for touching up your appearance a little bit. <laughs> I know my stuff. <laughs> do two versions. Do we? Do you record the video too? Mm, yeah. Mm -hmm. You do? Oh, mm -hmm. I should. T should I touch up my appearance a little it bit It's up to you. I don't mind. I think you look wonderful. But if you do were do, so um, conscious, I want no, you it's to probably, it's. I'm going to try to figure out what the... Are we already going, by the way? I don't know how the show starts. Yeah, pretty much. Oh, fun. In that case, let's see if people are watching along. Let's see. No, what me, it no to. one's watching along. We'll, right. we'll, we'll, I'm going to turn up, touch up, just for fun. I'm going to turn up, touch up my appearance for the first couple minutes to the very max. I like that. Let's see, let's what, see happens. what happens. <laughs> okay, so I've turned, uh, I've turned touch up my appearance up to like 20 to the max. I'm breaking the meter. I don't think it did very much, Ron. What do you no, think? No, it kind of just washed you out where it made you look I'm a little like sad. Stewart from Mad TV a bit. <laughs> I'm going to undo it now. Um, <laughs> okay, welcome to the podcast. Um, Thanks for having me. Better with uh, Ron Funches. As you know, it's uh, actually always Ron Funches. Mm -hmm. um, I just got here. Well, um, glad to have you. Okay, now it's turned off. I'm so excited to see you. Last time... It's we live in a weird world where I feel like I only see I mostly see you. Did you ever think you'd have friends that you mostly just see at game shows? <laughs> no, no, but that's I like mostly that. Where I, I know that it's mostly where like I the, see you. Yeah, like the, that's a center square type of life. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> but it is we did like yeah. Last time I saw you, we were doing game shows to, together. We've done actually a bunch of game shows together. Yeah, and always at makes midnight me feel together. Good. That was, when, that was uh, the big giant version of Ron Funches that, who's dead now. Um, <laughs> now that there's like svelte, jacked Ron Funches. Yeah, I forget um, I'm jacked. And my wife, my wife, I'm like, well, this doesn't fit. I'm getting fat. And my wife will be like, no, your chest is too big. No, it's because your chest has exploded. Yeah. Um, what are you doing to work out these days? Just a lot of weightlifting. Mm -hmm. a lot of, uh, Do those crazy Marjorie Taylor Greene like worm chin-ups? No, no, no. <laughs> no, I never got into break dancing like she did. So <laughs> oh, I was whenever I'm fighting a boner these days, it's such an easy thing. Just remember those weird chin ups. And by the way, the, the other weirdest thing is that everybody who does them is like, she's very good at them. <laughs> Lay off. And I'm like, okay. But like, even if you're good at something that looks that weird, maybe you just don't need to do it for other folks. Maybe it's something you do, you know? Private. Yeah. It's a private. That's inside it. voice stuff. Yeah. When you're grunting and grunting mm -hmm. and pushing, you don't want people. You don't have to show anybody that. Mm -mm. Tom, can I tell you why I wanted mm -hmm. you on the show? Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. I wanted you on the show because of things that you mentioned. Like, I do see you 
mostly at game shows now, yeah. something like to tell the truth or a match mm -hmm. game or whatnot. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you always make me feel so good when I see you. You make Aww. me feel at home. You make me feel like I'm going to be very funny. Uh, you, and I feel like that has been the case from as long as I known you. And I don't even know why, but I feel like, and maybe I'm wrong and I've just made it up. But no, I just feel I, I like feel you've it. always looked out for me. And you've always been kind Aww. to me. You've always, um, I mean, you put me on the Reno 911 recently. That's a very and, funny episode. Oh, those are coming out again. Oh, that's so funny. You because they keep you get they keep cutting away from you because there's remember there's a there's a dog adoption that's happening in New York, and Dangle keeps throwing up, and then he's like he's taking like speed, and then he takes like antidepressants. He's taking all kinds of crazy meds at the same time. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but and also one of the best shoots I've ever been on as far as professionalism and, and like hey we're doing it we shot it and now it's time to leave. I you loved know what? it. I, I think that's a very important thing that. <clears throat> that only that you learn as you get by in the business. Well, second of all, first of all, I always love seeing you. It's just fun. I think we've always, you're one of those people that's instantly likable. I think everybody knows that. But um, one of the, the things that it takes a long time to learn, especially in like comedy and making movies and stuff, it's like, when are you done? And I think on, on Reno, having now done it for off and on since 2000, like, a big thing to learn is, like, we're done. Be done. Like, it's okay. You shot something, and, like, it's great, or it's not. But that's a weird thing that sometimes we would do on Reno 2 in the old days. We'd, like, after, like, the third take of something, we're, like, maybe this just isn't good. Mm. So let's just move on. <laughs> <laughs> by, by the third take of anything, either it's amazing and the best it's ever going to be, or just move on. Forget it. It doesn't matter. It's not the end yeah. of the world. Don't beat the energy out Don't, of it. That was weird being, in like... Being having tiny a tiny part in two Christopher Nolan movies, that the thing that I noticed about him is just he absolutely knows when he's done. Like you basically get kind of like two takes, but that's really about it, because he has that that confidence of knowing that you're done. Yeah, that's you know? a that's a skill set. It's a skill set. Um, cheers, hi, it's good to see you. Good I'm to see a, you, Tom. Here's another skill set thing. I want to go more. I'm going to ask you questions mm -hmm. about Reno that I had particularly. Sure. But I want to go before that. I want to mm -hmm. talk about when I did see you at To Tell the Truth and the skill set of yours that I marveled at and tried to um, learn from, which is that we did the last taping we did was me and you and Rick Fox. Mm -hmm. And there's no audience whatsoever. Oh, so weird. Yeah. And yet you maintain this energy level and this like just shooting shots as if you were in a, <laughs> in a full arena full of people and just watching you fully commit and, and be physical. And, things. and it, it taught me a, a lot about not succumbing to your circumstances or to the things that are around you. To But is that something you were aware that you were doing or is that just something because you've been doing it for so long? You have so much experience. You know, it may be that, you know, I don't, you know, it's interesting, but so one time we, we shot this pilot that was a huge failure. Everything, you know, half of what we did was a huge failure, failure, a lot of it. So we shot this pilot and uh, called Alabama, and it was like a, a spaceship show that we did for FX. It was a funny idea, but it, you know, didn't, it wasn't, it certainly wasn't perfect. But in it, uh, Eddie Izzard played this alien who had like abducted us to his planet to give, to test us to see what humans, 
Like what was so horrible that would humans do it? Would they kill the one next to them? Would they do all these things? And I was talking to Eddie Izzard and he was talking about playing the Hollywood Bowl, doing stand-up at the Hollywood Bowl, which I I think holds like 19,000 people. And it was interesting because I just couldn't in my head, I can't conceive of the idea of doing comedy for 17,000 people. And he he also does stand up in like four languages now. But, and it was interesting. What he said is just do everything exactly the same as you were always going to do it. Mm. He's like, it doesn't matter. He's like, you play the Hollywood Bowl exactly the same way you would play, uh, you know, Largo. Mm -hmm. No difference. Play, do them exactly the same. And I was like, oh, that's an interesting sort of thought. Mm. And I was like, of course, there's no way to test that out. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, you can test it at the Largo, which is great. There's a couple hundred folks there. <clears throat> but he said, just do it do it the same way. And it is interesting. I, I, you do find most of, the, most of the folks that you meet who, who stick around and hang around, they do tend to do everything the same way, which is 100%. <clears throat> you know, I mean, the people that, <clears throat> the people that always show up and always are great, it's just they always are great. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy that nice people are going to show up and do great things. <clears throat> when we shot the end of the Reno movie the first time, Patton Oswalt had full food poisoning mm. and was basically could not, I mean, he could barely even stand up. He was just such a, in such a wreck. And he did the whole end of the movie with like a machine gun and he's improvising and we're shooting at him with like a helicopter, like missiles at him. And he was very, very sick. But when you watch, it's fun for me now to watch the movie. And I'm like, you would never know. But he literally, he could, I mean, because, you know, the good folks just keep being the good folks. It's, it's, it's one of those things. Um, but I do find that bring a weird energy. It's also, but also another thing that you're saying is my nervousness all the mm-hmm. time at those things. But at, at 50, I've now figured out that I turn my nervousness into <clears throat> pretending like I'm very confident, mm. you know? Mm-hmm. And this is, this is a thing, again, it's hard to test out, but you will find that I find pre- pretending to be confident and being confident are almost exactly the same thing. It's real. I mean, it's a really marginal difference. Because weirdly, if you sort of act like, because everybody else is already so in their head and everybody else is so nervous about so much stuff that they're dealing with, <laughs> That if you are the person in the room who just pretends to be confident, everyone will just think that you are. Mm. You know, it's really kind of neat. It served me very well, especially at things like that. Especially at things, yeah, where you know, like, also, it's just like, if you really fuck up badly, (laughs) to tell the (laughs) truth. There was one joke I made it to tell the truth. I'm like, if this doesn't land, it's going to be the stupidest thing I've ever said in my entire life. But then it's also just like, oh, fuck it. You know what? Everybody's trying. Who cares? Try it. Take a big swing and face plant. But also in this era when there really are hardly any movies anymore to be in, getting, being, being good at game shows is like, <laughs> that's a skill set. That is a skill. Wait, you had a game show. I did have a game show. You're going to have another game show, you lucky sonos. Hope so. You probably are, aren't you? No, I got my my cooking show right now. I know, but you had a Quibi show. Mm -hmm. That was a great joke that I made when we were both recently on a game show. 
there was one of the contestants was on and I was like, do not brag about how rich you are to me and Ron because Ron and I both had shows on Quibi. (laughs) 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 And I think that joke, that actually made the show. I was like, there's no way they're going to put that in the show. No, they totally put it in the show. They did. I ended up randomly watching that episode at a hotel in Palm Springs. I loved it. Yes. Rick Fox, so handsome. What a handsome So dude. handsome. My mom always handsome. tries to hit on him whenever she sees him. I know. He's him. so handsome, though. He's got a weird, he's got a great movie star combination. And now now with this weird, like, floppy hair and stuff. In the hat. Yeah. yeah he's, he's got a cool hat. Kravitz route. That's so yeah. funny. I tried to put on a hat yesterday. <laughs> we were going, walking down the street to have dinner in the backyard of the neighbor's house. Um, I'm very lucky. I live, uh, Peter Bain, I'm a super funny writer who's one of the guys who writes Borat and he wrote Arthur Christmas, lives down the street. And we were going over to their house. And for a person who acts confident a lot, I, we're, I knew we were going to see people we hadn't seen in a really long time. And I got out a hat that I own. And I was like, I'm going to, God damn it, I'm putting this hat, I'm going to show up in a hat to this event. And I think maybe in the back of my mind, part of me was thinking about like, just be Rick Fox. He, he doesn't care. <laughs> He shows up in a goddamn hat if he feels like, and then everybody loves him more because he just, because he owns the hat. And then I put the hat on. I was like, it feels good on my head. Then I walked in the bathroom and this is how long it took. One, 1,000. Oh my God, no. And that, was it. that was the entire length that the hat stayed on the head. One, 1,000. No. It's good to know who you are. It is good to know who you are. And the hat, I can't do it. I cannot do it. No, I think I can either. But I'm I've also, trying. right, I've also thought I was a hat person just enough that when I was standing in a Gorin Brothers hat shop and they were like, do you want this $175 boater hat? Maybe I, that's a problem with day drinking too. You end up buying, you buy shit. That does take me back. There was a whole time period in my life. I feel like it was after the movie The Players mm-hmm. Club came out sure. that I was mm-hmm. interested in any like places that were like haberdasheries mm-hmm. or anything where I could get a custom hat and or mm-hmm. cane. Right. You want to have kind of ska kind of look, like mm-hmm. sort of hepcat. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I get it. <laughs> you, could, you don't think you could, you could probably do it. Do you have, still have a cane around the house? No, definitely not. No, it's a phase. It's just a phase. You yeah. move on. You get older. Like earrings. The weird thing is I have a shit. I have so many hats. <laughs> Never put one on my goddamn head. <laughs> Just a pile of hats. Just I have a weird pile of hats. They were all purchased during day drinking. Um, a- I pointed out, this is like the second year in a row. Is it the third year in a row the Renaissance Fair was canceled? And I, I kind of tweeted. And it, wasn't, it was a joke, but it also wasn't a joke. I'm like, the fact that there's been no Renaissance Fair for basically two and a half years now has probably saved me $10,000 in weird shit that I didn't buy. Just day drink stuff. <laughs> like and stuff and like, like weird, like things that, like things that like a little dragon that perches on your shoulder, you know, like that kind of moves around. Mm-hmm. When you're at the Renaissance, we're at the Renaissance fair. How often do you go to the Renaissance? I've been a to lot. a few Renaissance. Okay. A lot. Yeah. A lot. Yeah. Here's the thing I think. Do you ever find this? It's hard during quarantine. Do you ever find a little extra joy being somewhere where everybody knows who you are? <laughs> yes. Absolutely. That's why it's so that's nice. half the reason I go to pro wrestling shows. Yeah. <laughs> it's just so nice. It feels um, so good. It's weird because, you know, depending where I am, I'm like, mm, 
And vaguely people know me. Occasionally mm-hmm. people are like, oh, Sudeikis. I'm like, oh, man, so goddamn close. No, no. And then, um, but then you get somewhere like the Renaissance Fair. That makes sense. Talk about the cheers that everybody knows your name. Oh, my gosh. I go from like sidekick, movie sidekick famous to like full blown. Like, I'm like a goddamn Mardi Gras float at the Renaissance Fair. I'm basically a human Mardi Gras float. People want to touch me. It's just fun. We're having fun. So I don't know if that'll ever exist again. But there's a lot of weird, there's a certain type of, of Ren Fair wench and fella that likes to give me a little squeeze. And you know what? Sometimes it just fuck, it feels good. No, I get it. Just this going is out another to, yeah. thing mm-hmm. I love about you, Tom, that I wanted to talk about. I'm so mm-hmm. glad you reminded me mm-hmm. is that you're like, pray, you're super honest about like your love of like people liking you and mm-hmm. love of money. And oh, I mm-hmm. like that you you're one of the few people who like you know i'm sure it wasn't like full public but you've told me like money amounts and things like that and a lot of people hide that and i I love that about you that you don't i think at some point i realized i never really did stand up much and i didn't do it great but i did a little bit of it but there's a weird i can tell you exactly where this lesson comes from which was from, uh, it's one of Ian Roberts' rules for improvisation, which I read very late in life for a person who's been in comedy my whole life. And his rule was, it was so simple. He's like, when in doubt, tell a secret. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, that's such a great thing. And it, it really does, especially if you're like improvising and doing stuff. But also I, I do find that the more that you tell the truth, the more people can tell. <laughs> You know, like, I don't know, you know, I mean, there's definitely, there's, you know, I love money also because it lets me do really weird shit sometimes too. It's like, it's fun. I mean, it's fun to do big, dumb, and Ben and I have always done that in our screenwriting front. We're always like, do the big stuff because then you get to, you get to dick around and do weird stuff too, you know, but you do, it is good to have the commerce side to help out the other sides of things you want to do, you know. Absolutely. Um, I think that's something yeah. that uh, a lot of entertainers in general, but especially stand-up comedians seem to either shy away from or hide or be flat out against where they're like, well, oh, I just want to do stand-up or like, I don't want to talk money that, but I've, I've always, like, I mean, I'm like, oh yeah, I want to go do trolls. Yeah. I want to go to tell the of truth. Course. Yeah. I want to go do these things because then it means I don't have to go do something else. I don't well, want to do. That's the other thing. It means it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily First of all, it's abundantly clear it doesn't make you happy. It won't make you happy. Mm-mm. But it will allow you to... I mean, I got to write a novel because I was comfortable. You know, because I was comfortable. I didn't have to go and, like, you know, have a day job. It ended up letting me... You know, it frees up that part of your mind that's like, I'm going to try out some dumb shit. Let's see what happens. Um, You know, and then, like... So... <laughs> I'll be honest. Okay, you ready for this? Mm-hmm. Doing two... Let's get super honest. You ready? So doing two episodes of To Tell the Truth with Anthony Anderson is more than I make on one of the novels <laughs> that I've written. Like, it's more than a whole novel that made the New York Times bestseller list. Mm-hmm. 
And I don't know if that's just fancy bookkeeping. It probably some of that's fancy bookkeeping, but it's the way it works. Yeah, yeah. But I think it again. Yeah, it yeah. just allows you to have uh, yeah. options and balance. And the thing for right now, I'm in a well, negotiations for a thing, mm-hmm. and I have uh, they're lowballing a little bit, and I'm like, well, I'll just stay home and do game shows. I don't. Oh my have gosh, to but that's the thing. Stay home and do game shows. That's why it's good to get so good at the game shows. Well, here's what's funny. So getting comfortable a little bit because we worked hard. I mean, but we also the other thing you know me is about just like the answer is yes. Like people are always just like, you want to do this? I'm like, yes. They're like, you want to be in Boat Trip? Yes. Actually, weirdly, that was a weird example because Boat Trip is the only movie I ever said no to ever. <laughs> and then they came back and they said, it's one day and it's $5,000. I'm like, I want to be in. I want to do that. I want to be in that now. Now that you said what that is, I want to do that. <laughs> but um, it's so funny. But like, so I'm writing a movie of my novel that I wrote. I never literally... <laughs> The novel's way less than being on the game shows. Just way, way less. <laughs> now, I know some people write books that are huge, 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 huge hits, and they make piles and piles of money. But mine was a la- I didn't know how much mine was a labor of love until <laughs> you, you check the receipts. And then you're like, oh, these really don't even... Yeah, wow. They really... They don't really sell that many. And even when they do sell some, you'd still, you still don't get that... <laughs> you don't really get that much for it. So, um, but... It's fun because like the game shows allow you to write the novels. You don't make any money off the novels. You do some more game shows. And then like I'm finally, I'm writing the movie of my novels for DreamWorks. So like eventually there is, you know, but that, I mean, the other thing is, and I think this is true about you. I know this is true about you. You're not at the game shows just because it's a nice bunch of money. You like it. It's, it's actually really fun to do. Like this, like to me, like going to do one of those and like if, I can ma- if I'm making you and Rick Fox laugh, that's an awesome afternoon for me. And the high from that, and it definitely is a high from making people laugh is, you know, it's, it's fun. This is the best. And it's, it's the silly. best. Yeah, I yeah. think it's less like I'm I'm definitely not at the thing where we're like, oh, we just do these game shows because we can get get pile on checks. But to me, it's just like it's so silly that I could go and spend a week here, two weeks here, I could go going, or I could just spend an afternoon making my friends laugh. Sitting next to Rick Fox, who's very, very handsome. And then here's the here's the other thing, Ron, which is super weird. There are so many things that I work on so hard and I'm so proud of that I'm always doing. I'm always doing something. You know us. We're always like working on stuff. We're doing rewrites. We're writing new pilots. We're producing stuff. You know, no one ever sees anything I do except the game shows. (laughs) Suddenly, like, all of my my entire family in Chicago is like, Tammy, oh my God, I didn't know you were still, oh, Tom, you're still acting and stuff. Because we didn't know that until we saw you on To Tell the Truth and Match Game. Because we've <laughs> never seen you, because you were in eight movies that all went to, or have a zero on Rotten Tomatoes in a row. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh, yeah. I'm like, oh, you guys didn't bother to see like the last eight really weird movies I was in that everyone hated? <laughs> They're like, no, but we saw, you know, we tuned in because we wanted to see Rick Fox. And then we saw you right next to Rick Fox. And oh my God, Ryan Funches is so funny. 
Hey, you got a great shout out on SNL. Yeah, I know. That was so cool. I, I was know. like, that had to feel really neat, didn't it? It true. Yeah. yeah, different. Different as opposed to like Well, it was also in like kind of a great sketch. Yeah. It was like a cool sketch. It was the, the non-fungible token sketch. Yeah. And what did they say? It's a it's like a picture of lunchables having a lunchables yeah, with yeah. Funches, Funches having lunchables and something something. It was really kind of great. It was really fun. My and my then, face went my face lit up a little bit. Yeah. And I just go to my wife and I just go, they don't talk about people. They don't think people know. That's what, no, they would a- not. That's very, it's very accurate. That's a weird like test of that you, you're, you're in the zeitgeist. You know, you're literally in the zeitgeist. Doesn't hurt that you got to, certain people go with their name. <laughs> True. Absolutely. Like, it's interesting. Some people go with their name. Every once in a while you meet somebody that doesn't go with their name, but usually they often do. But have you ever, like when was the last time in your entire life you met somebody that went more with their name than Ron Funches? No, you didn't. A, yeah, it's you fun. Didn't. I'm fun. It's yet chill. I know. Yeah. It's little bunches. It's fun. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to think thing. of who's the person that goes the least with their name we've ever met. Hmm. Every once, every once in a while, I'm thrown by somebody who just doesn't seem like something. I, yeah. And then I, well, what I, the problem is, which, which I'm proving right now, is when somebody doesn't remind, doesn't embody their name in like an onomatopoeia kind of way, I can't remember it. <laughs> I end up not remembering people. You know, but there are certain people like Alex Fernie. Like Fernie's just mm. sounds like he's going to be Alex Fernie. And like yeah. he's going to say, he can I give you a couple t- yeah. notes on what you just said? You know, he's just like, you know that about him. Yeah, he's a tall, yeah. he's lank. You would think of Fernie would be lanky. And he is. And, yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. And that he would be sort of like, like looking down his nose at you, which he is. Yeah, truly. Yeah. He is. I say this with tremendous love. I love, I love him very Alex. much. He's the best. He's so good. Yeah. One of the only... One of the only like brains I'm legitimately scared of to be aware. Like I, I check myself in front of Fernie once in a while. Like I'll, <laughs> there's a couple of people like that where I'm like, he's so funny that I'm just gonna not. I might not try every joke out today because mm. <laughs> I don't want to be. Um, can I tell you a thing that Alex Fernie? This is a, <clears throat> a deep dive if you don't know, him, but most people who know you probably know Alex. He's done a tons of things and well, he's directed. If they don't, and, they should hear the little reverence in our voice and go look him up. So we're. Working on this pilot a couple of years back, me and Ben are producing this pilot for Convoy, the troupe, uh, the improv group. And I'd left. Do you remember when Netflix was like DVDs that came in the mail? Of course. I had left my laptop open and unattended in a conference room with Alex Fernie from, from Convoy. Thought nothing of it. Walked away, you know, like the, the, my laptop was open. It was just open and I came back. Everything looked exactly the same. Maybe I'd gone out. I used to smoke cigarettes. So maybe I'd gone out to smoke a cigarette or something stupid like that. And I came back in, thought nothing of it, went home to Hollywood. And, and a, a couple months pass. And I get, I get uh, a Martin Lawrence. My next Netflix movie is Martin Lawrence's like Black Knight. It's a pretty like, solid. It's solid. Movie. Yeah. I'm like, that's pretty weird though. Because it definitely was not, I didn't, so I sent it right back because I hadn't, it wasn't on my list. <clears throat> and then two normal movies that I had requested came in. And then the next movie came in and it was like uh, Big Mama's House. Another Martin Lawrence classic. 
what Alex Fernie did <clears throat> is he went into my, when this used to be a thing, he went into my Netflix queue and he didn't do it so quickly that it would be caught instantly. He changed every third movie in my queue to a Martin Lawrence movie. <laughs> <clears throat> and now this is like the work of a criminal mastermind. Because if he'd sent three in a row, I would have been like, hey, somebody's goofing with my, somebody was goofing with my queue. But Fernie's not an ordinary person. <laughs> he's, he's, his mind is just something else. So he changed every third one. It took a while. And then I had to go in and I had to go like, on, you know, reset it and stuff like that. I would have just kept it going. Until I know. There was some, I mean, I could have watched. I wrote Blue one of those. Streak. Yeah. Was, which I one think did I you wrote write? Rebound. Rebound? Not, we actually not wrote one it. Of his best. Uh, we, we didn't get credit on it, but we did the rewrite. Basically, when Rebound was going into production, they were like, everybody hates the movie <laughs> that we're making. We just, nobody likes it. So, the, but we've also already scouted the entire movie and we know where all the scenes are, what, where the locations are for like the next like six weeks or eight weeks of shooting. So they're like, you can change. Would you please change everything in the script, but every single scene heading, like interior, high school, gym, day, mm -hmm. all of those have to be exactly the same. But then after that, you can literally change whatever you want. That sounds kind of fun. It's kind of fun. I don't really remember what happened with that. It came out. It was no, a movie that came out. Yeah, it did they used come to make. Out. I saw. I definitely saw it. But it wasn't they used to make so many movies. I mean, there used to be like just movies. We used to have movies every weekend. There'd be like three throwaway movies that you didn't even know about. That was gonna be my next question, you, Tom, because you mm -hmm. mentioned earlier that there's less movies for you to be in, mm -hmm. and then mm -hmm. my wife and I we often discuss about mm -hmm. how much we miss the golden era of just comedy movies coming out, small mm -hmm. mid-range comedy small movies, mid -range. big ones coming out, all different types of comedy movies, and until recently with maybe Barb and Star and Bad Trip, I don't, I couldn't recall any that that stuck out to me. Is that something where I am maybe just being too romanticize of the past? No, you're not. But you're okay. not. But you're not. But there's like, there used to be, yeah, there you, like in a weekend, there would be like this giant thing that everybody knew, like this is going to win the weekend. Here's this giant behemoth movie that appeals to everyone and it's humongous and it's got giant movie stars. But then there was also just, you know, a world where there'd be like three other things <laughs> also, you know? And then, you know, maybe those exist, like, I, because, it is weird because like every once in a while I'll turn around and look at like Netflix and they'll be like, there are five new Adam Sandler movies. And I'm like, when did, when did what, how did he even make those? <laughs> did they just put up a green screen behind him and he just kept saying stuff? I don't know, but they do somehow like they do exist, I guess. I'm just, maybe I'm in them less. Is that it? It could be that, but it also could I agree. Be. I think it's either just at the Adam. It, they're all Happy Madison productions. Well, if they that are. is yeah. He's That's got a true. nice thing going. Yeah, it's true. I don't. Hey, I don't hate that at all. But I love to see other ones. I know, but it's more likely even you could be in those because I'm already too close to like too many of the weirdos in his posse. Mm. Like, there's never going to be a spare this guy. In his possible, I don't. When I he, don't think they when he's bring already in got new blood, though. I think if but they look like at me, I'm basically if Schneider and Spade had a baby. <laughs> <laughs> there's a solid argument that I just am that. That's true. I, I know. Didn't say it until you By the said way, we it. gotta. This is we. You gotta tell the truth. And if <laughs> if Spade and Schneider did have a 
physically had a baby, or if they even, do you ever do that thing in Vegas where you and a buddy, a buddy they take, you get your faces together mm-hmm. and it shows Mass what up. your baby would look like? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's you. That, that's some really some good. good fan of of getting better with the Ron Funches will do a mashup of of uh, Spade and Schneider and see if it does accidentally just turn into me, which I think it will. I think it will too. Hi guys, I want to thank you for listening, and I want to also thank our friends at HelloFresh. Do you know HelloFresh? I'm sure you do. You'll see them everywhere. I'm sure you see your neighbor getting a box delivered and wondering, why do they look happy? Why do they look fulfilled? Why do they look satisfied? Well, with HelloFresh, you get fresh, pre-measured ingredients and mouthwatered seasonal recipes delivered right to your door. You can skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, affordable, delicious. And that's why it's America's number one meal kit. I've been enjoying HelloFresh myself here at the household. They sent us a wonderful box and my wife got to work for me. And I also got in there myself a little bit. You know me, I'm not a whiz in the kitchen, but they made it easy and my wife was even better. She knew how to season it properly. (laughs) My favorite so far has been the meatloaf. It is the best, but everything has been Wonderful, delightful, and truly above uh, what I expected. Now, HelloFresh cuts out the stressful meal planning and grocery store trips so you can enjoy cooking and get dinner on the table in 30 minutes or less. And they have a wide variety of easy, delicious options for all three meals of the day. That is breakfast, lunch, and dinner. They even throw in a snack and special treat in between. Because you know we we love treats around here. Like I said, I've been enjoying my HelloFresh very much, and I'm sure you will too. You can cook delicious meals while saving time and money. Try America's number one meal kit today. Go to HelloFresh.com slash Funches12 and use that code Funches12 for 12 free meals, including free shipping. That is HelloFresh.com slash Funches12. 12 and use that code Funches12 for 12 free meals, including free shipping. Everyone used to go to Vegas. Oh, mm-hmm. I'm planning on going in May. Can't wait. Can't I wait. Go Do you have a shot? Wrestling. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm not Fun. going anywhere without I'm, shots. No, I'm single shot. I can't wait. I can, the second one's coming soon. Oh, man. As soon as I'm double shotted, Renaissance Fair, wenches. <laughs> Hey, wenches. Corsets I might, everywhere. Corsets, a popping, motorboating. <laughs> Go ahead. Give me a little pat. If you think I'm doing good, give me a little pat on the kilt. I will be in my kilt. I'm always in my kilt at the Renaissance Fair. Oh, come on, shots. So wait, what are you gonna? What are you doing in Vegas? You're gonna go going see some independent wrestling. wrestling. Yeah, I know. Hit each other over the head with like two. I know, but I know, and I know, and I know that why you want to be there. People going, oh my god, that's right. You know, you know yeah. Exactly. You know that's the guy. Remember the NFT song from SNL? Do you remember the guy that? Do you remember the guy they're talking about in the NFT song? That's that's him. <laughs> it takes a while to get there. That's the, but... guy, the guy. The guy that they're talking about in NFT. That's that's literally him. He's a real guy. Oh 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 oh. Let me pull it up for you. No 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 no. Let me show. You. <laughs> Don't let him hear you. But he's right here. Have you ever done that where people are looking you up some like in a restaurant yeah. somewhere? Oh absolutely. Absolutely for sure. For sure. Just checking. They're just checking and then me you, out. You just catch a weird moment where they flip the phone. They're like, see, 
<laughs> I told you. I told you. And they're mad. They're not happy about it. They're no. mad at someone else. Oh, I got, I was at my cousin's wedding in Ireland like two years ago. And a very drunk um, gentleman from Nottingham, England, which is an accent I'd never heard before. Holy cow. It was really fascinating. But um, this guy thought he recognized me and for a long time and really, really, really drunk. And he's drinking like rum and Cokes at like midnight, mm. which I don't think, I'm not a medical doctor, but like a ton of Better sugar. Than and, noon. <laughs> I think well, it's closer to the good, good time. But you're, you're also, now you're having so much sugar and booze and caffeine. Yeah. You're just going to be, you're going to be, up. oh, you were, yeah. oh, you were about, no, 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 no. you're never going down that night. No, you're <laughs> never going to, there is no quietly into that good night. So as I was at my cousin's wedding and, and this guy thought I was Joe Latruglio. Um, my, one of my best friends, uh, Joe from Brooklyn Line 9. Everyone knows him. And Joe's knows, been my yeah. friend since we were 18. But when, and then when he realized I wasn't Joe, he was livid, so angry, so mad at me for not being Joe. It's like, don't fucking pretend to be something you're not. You fucking <laughs> I'm like, I what? I, like, he just fucking comes in here acting like he's not famous. He's not famous. He's not famous. I'm like, no, I actually, I was like, I am famous. I'm just not the famous guy you're thinking of. And then it was even super sad. So sad when you have to say who you are and it's not Joe Latruglio. Yeah. And then people get said, yeah, oh my God. I didn't even think of it at that. Like it'd be, be you no, know, no disrespect to Joe, but if it was Oh my like, God, Joe's one of my best friends the, in the of history course, of the world. everybody knows Joe. Yes. I mean, I still, I got his scenes in Party Down running through my head right now. Oh He's my the God. best. You know, I, the, I did an episode of Party Down and I realized now, here's a weird thing. This actually went through my head because I ran into one of the people that was in Party Down with me. And the director, there's a scene in uh, Nick DeSinto's Orgy Night where they were like, hey, will you be completely naked and just show your penis and be completely naked in the scene? And I was like, oh, no, I don't, I don't think so. I don't think I'll do that. And I looked back on it and I was like, why didn't I do that then? <laughs> it's like, that would have been the perfect, I was young and spry. Still yeah, you still have vaguely photo, still vaguely photogenic. Like, these are the things you think at fifty. Like, remember when that director tried to get me to show my penis in that weird basic cable TV show? I should have done it. <laughs> should have done it when I had the chance. <laughs> you know, because that ship that ship never comes in again. It is a bonus that I had because I've been naked a couple times. I was naked mm -hmm. in show New Girl at my heaviest. And then mm -hmm. um, in my in the new show, my chop show, they had mm -hmm. me in a hot tub. And I just was so happy to see. I'm like, look, mm -hmm. my friend even texted me. He goes, look, he goes, they're not making a joke out of your body anymore. And I was like, nice. that's the best compliment I've gotten in a long that's time. Very no that's very nice. I remember, Do you remember, did you ever watch Natasha Legero's hot tub talk show? Mm-hmm. Do you remember the Eric Andre episode where Eric comes up out of the hot tub naked and his penis is literally in between Moshe and Natasha's face for like a 20-minute just scene where they chat? Yeah. It was like, if you didn't know who Eric was yet, <laughs> you're like, okay, that was an amazing introduction. Yeah. You, sir, are the guy who's just going to, totally going to hang out. It was really, really funny. Yeah, and he is. He is that yeah. guy. Use that guy. Hmm. Can I you tell you another thing you I like about swings. you, Tom? Can I give mm -hmm. you another compliment? You can, but I'll, yeah, sure. Yeah. 
Nice. God, yeah. take it. I mean, it's what we're here for now. Um, I like I was reading a thing where you just basically talked about how you live your life and your career the same as when you started and that you're still putting on wigs and making sketches and doing things just as when you started and you don't look at it and you still work with similar people. You don't look at it as any different. And that when I read that, I just thought that was such a simple way of looking at your career of someone when I was like, when I was reading through your, doing my research and going like, oh man, he's done so many things. I've forgotten that he's done. But at the end of the day, just to see that like, you just seem like you like to work. But that's I, the, I mean, that is the fun of it, you know, like, like my favorite thing to do. Well, this was weird. Like, so, you know, they'd asked would I teach a sketch writing class for the UCB, for like the online UCB school. And I was like, I don't know if I could even do that. Could I even do that? I guess I could. You know, I mean, I, I, I can't teach a class, but I could, I mean, I could teach you like the things that I do when I'm writing stuff and, you know, like tricks of, you know, how to like kind of get out of your head and just keep going and don't stop, don't edit yourself and don't figure it out later. So it was like 50 folks online at a, a, a Zoom class, you know, just like this. And I was like, well, the first thing that we're all going to do, we talked for like a few minutes and I'm like, let's all just write a sketch. And I got, and I realized as I was doing it, I'm like, I'm getting so, I got really giddy. Like as I started like just writing a sketch, it was not a good sketch in any way. But the act of writing a sketch is just something that, and it's interesting because it's not something that I was necessarily thought I was good at. In fact, when I joined the state, I would have been without a doubt the worst writer in the state by far. But it also does prove the Malcolm Gladwell thing of like, you only, just you got to keep doing it. Mm-hmm. Just do it. Yeah. If you don't think you're good at it, do it all day, every day. And then you might just be better. You might just end up. Not, not that you'll necessarily be better at it. But your good stuff will be better than anybody else's good stuff because you'll just have fucking more of it. <laughs> <laughs> you'll have more sketches to choose from. The people that wrote a, a sketch a day for a week have seven sketches. If you're a crazy person and you wrote four sketches a day, you have 28 sketches, of which three were going to be good anyway. And 20, you know, five were going to be terrible. <laughs> well, but, you know, I'm glad you broke down the exact numbers. Took a second. <laughs> are you you're still in, in the midwest right tom no i'm actually back in uh california for now oh yeah wow. we're usually most i mean in the world where it started really not mattering where you are mm-hmm. um we have spent way more time in uh wisconsin so I we're often it. there i love it there too where are you wait ron where are you from originally chicago illinois i know me too well you said we're from oak park yeah <laughs> I'm from a, I'm from, if it, if it helps, I'm from the absolute smallest house that was about to collapse made of asbestos. And my mom was a hoarder. So if it oh, helps, I, I'm from that part of Oak Park. Mm-hmm. But I did, I was adjacent to very, very fancy folks. No, I've been all through Oak Park. I know it's a mix yeah. of everything. I wasn't saying that. Oh, no, 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 no. But it is, I mean, like, it, it, it is, it gets very John Hughesy, you know, out there, if oh, you know absolutely. what I mean. It's beautiful. Um, it is beautiful. Um, it's also like one of the most, it might be the most aggressively progressive place. Like sometimes when people ask me what Oak Park is like, I'm like, if 
NPR could have had a town, if National Public Radio just somehow like got to take like the WandaVision of NPR <laughs> of people who've all read all the articles to be mad about, and they're all everyone has already listened to the Yo-Yo Ma plays Ennio Morricone's <laughs> hits. It's like, it's like Oak Park is almost, they're literally, they just, they are National Public Radio. It's, 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 it's an enchanting place. That is fun, um, but it is also, that just made me think that like, I guess you don't want a whole town full of racists or anything like that, but oh, having no, a colorful is, one yeah. person that's weird is fun sometimes. Oak Park is, has been so uh, Oak Park is an aggressively positive place, and I'm actually really gl- glad I grew up there. Oak Park actually banned handguns. That's great. In like in like the 80s. That's it's amazing. Very, it's always been like a pretty cool place. Um, but what part of Chicago are you from? South Side. Um, do you follow? Or do you have a TikTok? No. Well, well I think don't. I do. I think but I it's do. It's just uh, there's a uh, a historian from Chicago. His name is Six Figure Dilla. D-I-L-L-A. I follow him. I'll send you the link. And he's a school guy. He works for some company like Power or Electric or some utility company in Chicago. But he's also an armchair historian about Chicago. Mm. And he posts, every single day, he posts like a one-minute TikTok about something you didn't know about Chicago. And it's always amazing. I believe his handle is Six Dilla. D-I-L-L-A. He's amazing. TikTok, and he just, it's always something about Chicago. Never knew any of it. And I grew up there, and it's always fascinating. Oh, I'm always interested more as I get older. Um, I follow like the Chicago history accounts on Instagram and Twitter just because, yeah, I love, I, I think um, the fact that I grew up there really helped me become a real rounded person and put a lot of culture into me. And the fact that I could see, you know, art museums, history museums. You know that my dad, my dad worked at the Art Institute for like about oh, 45 years. Yeah, that's where he worked. That. Mm-hmm. Wow. No, that, like the, those places and they're like free, free weekend things. And they, they, um, oh, yeah. they, they uh, saved my life in a lot of ways. Arguably, Chicago. And then, of course, we went on to write Night at the Museum, Ben and mm-hmm. I. But like Chicago for museums, pound for pound, I'll put Chicago against really almost anywhere in the world. Absolutely. I mean, for museums that are both like amazing art and stuff, and then also museums that are just unbelievably fun. Yeah. Museum of Science and Industry. Oh my so God. Many Science and Industry is so many fun. That's where I first realized, I guess I have severe claustrophobia. Did you ever go down in the weird little coal mine? Right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was not okay. And we used to just do that. <laughs> and then they would blow up a little thing of methane gas and turn off all the lights. <laughs> and... I think I've never really been okay since that. But, you know. Yeah. Probably yeah. not before either. Uh, I For wanna, sure not before. For definitely. sure not. Yeah. Oh, before I get to the goals, because that's our, mm. our main stamp, staple. Fun. I just wanted to talk, because I've been going through, mm. you know, I love Reno 911. Fun. I love it so much that I got to be part mm. of, of, of a small part of it. Mm. But now I'm going back through and re-watching some on the, on the mm. Paramounts and... One thing, I mean, I always love how funny it was and just the improv of it and just the way you guys all work together. But I think something that I undervalued and I wanted to know if it was conscious or just something you see if you go ever go back and look, if you do, just the portrayal of police officers, not only as like 
um, not necessarily the smartest, which we had seen maybe in things in police academy, yeah. but as fully corrupt, which was something that I don't think I'd seen before. And I just want to know, like, is it's, that something um, that because like seeing uh, that now and then watching it now with all the things going on, I'm like, this is the seems the more accurate than any of the portrayals. It's so astonishing. I mean, we all went like, uh, we killed that Faxon season three, and then like went to you know, um. It's really interesting because it was like, and this is what's, I think, the most curious thing about it. Because we've always been like literally the first episode of Reno 91 is me pulling over this dude and then me and Ben start making out. And then like every episode, I'm like, everybody want to do some whippets? I got whippets in the car. Like we're always just doing pretty, pretty weird stuff. Um, And very unapologetically. But what's weird about it, (laughs) that's interesting is while we're beloved by stoners and the counterculture and everybody, we're also absolutely beloved by by cops. And I've always wondered why. <laughs> like, I'm like, oh. And the answer is, I, I think the answer is, even though we're literally like just, you know, like doing whippets and like there's some fun stuff coming up in the new seasons, which are good. They go to Roku and then they come on. But like, I think the reason the cops never minded how, how awful we kind of look in that show is because we don't, you know, as you noticed, like dialogue, we never script any dialogue. Mm -hmm. We'll know the idea of a scene, but everything that people are saying out loud is always whatever they're saying, which is amazing because it also never it doesn't get vetted by anyone mm. because mm. there's no universe. Like the scene I did with you, I'm like, I snort a cigarette through my nose and I'm like, give me daddy's sippy cup and let me crush, eat, drink, eat all these pills. <laughs> and like, if you put that in a script and gave it to someone at Viacom, our wonderful parent company that's in charge of things, they'd be like, oh no, no, you, you can't do that. You absolutely can't do that. And so many of the things that everyone is saying to each other on the show. You can't say that. <laughs> you can't. It's just like, but the answer is we did and we do. And I think it's, there's a weird issue too with that. There's a weird thing about, about Reno and how dark we've always been and how, how much weird shit we've always done. And it's always been like super violent and always weirdly corrupt and, you know, but I think you can tell, and in in the world that we live in now, more than ever, and I don't know if it's like maybe the rise of like Twitter and social media and stuff, but like the spirit of something, mm. which used to be everything, mm-hmm. gets lost a lot mm-hmm. these days. Like, and I think you can tell that like the group of people that make Reno 911 are an overwhelmingly upbeat, nice bunch of people. So even when we're doing stuff that's just like, <laughs> that's really messed up. There's like, I, I, I don't know how to describe it except for that like tone matters a lot. Mm-hmm. Like the way that you do something matters a lot. And everybody got very literal. There's all these like weird literal people that are just like, I, 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 I. 
Mm-hmm. I think I'm talking about Ben Shapiro, I guess. I don't know. But there's <laughs> all these people that are just yelling, like, I'm mad and I'm going to yell about something because this is verbatim what something happened. And it's like, they're using, like, like, yeah. Well, I'll even give you one that's kind of the opposite of Ben Shapiro that I saw today that I thought was kind of uh, silly, just in the tone of it. I was like, "That's a that go. This is a sketch." Uh, where I was watching Sports Center and they were talking about the uh, George Floyd case or, or Der- mm-hmm. the Derek Chauvin case, excuse me, yeah. um, and they're talking about how one of the owners of the Raiders posted this tweet that said i can breathe for 2021 and they were like oh he's being tone deaf to everything that's going on and and he's making light of this and he doesn't he's not familiar with the eric garner and the i can't breathe and then they talk about him they're like well this is a learning opportunity for him and then they cut out of their their segment to a memorial of George Floyd, a big mural that says on the bottom, I can breathe now. <laughs> I'm like, well, why are you mad at this guy? <laughs> it, it, like, that's the other weird thing is like, like, I, I'm trying to remember, okay, when we were kids, like shit that everybody was mad about all the time. I'm trying to think of some things. Other than like giant stuff. Like when, what, what I remember being a kid, I, I'm substantially older than you by, I would say at least 10 years, probably. Yeah. 12. Yeah. 12. Um, I remember thinking every single day that Russia was going to hit us with a nuclear bomb and we'd be dead. And we used to brag that because Chicago was so important of a city that we were going to get nuked really early. <laughs> Like, we're like, no, everybody else is going to, they'll be all living in like dumb places they live, but we're Chicago. And Russia hates us so much. It's going to be like, it was this weird, obviously it was like this weird inferiority complex we had about New York. Mm-hmm. Where we're like, well, they're not just going to hit Washington and New York with nuclear bombs. They're going to get Chicago very quickly also. We're also going to get nuked just as fast. If like so much, so fast, because like from Cuba, the Russian, the nuclear missiles are going to come from Cuba. And we're going to get killed almost as fast as New York and Washington. And this was something that we like would say to ourselves. We didn't want to die in a nuclear war, but we also didn't want to die a long time after New York because it meant we weren't significant. Yeah. You don't want to be in the fallout. Oh, come on. But also we just didn't want to be like the, the, the sidekick. Mm-hmm. We're like, we're a city too. Nuke us. <laughs> Nuke Chicago. If anything, nuke Chicago first, because then it takes out everybody's spirit because they're like, oh, Chicago was so fun and so funny. Now we have nothing to live for. Yeah, no taste you in know? Chicago, no blues festival. Oh, taste no, Chicago. So gross. I used to eat meat. <laughs> I mean, it was wonderful and so gross. And I used to, I would, oh, the meats and things. Yeah. It's interesting, like my relationship with Chicago as an adult vegetarian and then as like a boy who just ate piles of dead animals. <laughs> Because Chicago is amazing at weird dead animal stuff. Yeah. It's, oh. Yeah. Well, there's Italian sausages. <laughs> oh, uh, the, there's the uh, the beef. The beef. Oh, yeah. Italian, yeah. There's a place called Parkies, which is kind of by me out on Harlem Avenue. And they give you like a really, really, really wet hot dog. And for some reason, I I don't know what. All my weird uncles who maybe something happened with the priests. I, I don't know where, what to say about that. But there was a lot. 
They all loved, you'd get Parkies. And I think it happened by accident, but there was a hot dog that was soaking wet in the bottom of a bag and they would dump the fries in and then roll the fries up with the hot dog together. So you just got this wet ball of like murder and cholesterol. And weirdly, all the guys who used to love Parkies are dead that I know. <laughs> Everybody loved, like, Park, like it'd be a great sign at Parkies on Harlem Avenue in, in Forest Park. It's like, Parkies. Our biggest fans, all dead. <laughs> Get it while you can. Uh, <laughs> okay, I don't know. Uh, I mean, I know you're you're a busy individual, or you're not, and just a drunk individual, and you're having fun. Mm. I don't want to hold you either way. I just want to ask you a couple of my questions mm -hmm. before I let you go, Tom. One thing I like to just ask is for goals, mm -hmm. things you're working on in your life. It doesn't have to be career. It could be spiritual. It could be physical, health-wise, whatever you want to share with us. But we want to know uh, your goals. Sure. I'm working on a, th uh, a couple things I'm working on. Well, I mean, I've been, I've been in th like pretty serious therapy now for probably, probably about three or four years now. Hmm. I've got a really good psychiatrist. And that was amazing. I went from being like, really mad like all the time about a lot of stuff hmm. that I look at now that was absolutely like I was just like it was it was it's weird to be from, I'm from a family that you know like Irish types and <laughs> like this is weird people take pride in like being mad about stuff and holding mm -hmm. grudges and I'm like where did when did we get this um and so I'm work I've been working for a couple of years now on just like stop stop being so mad all like don't be mad all the time. Like what if what if it's what if it's okay? Like what if like you know just don't keep a knot of being like everything's not the end of the world. Mm. And uh it's been very useful. I mean I went from a pretty dark time uh and then I got into therapy. And then, like, weirdly, after getting into therapy, I started, like, I started writing the books, the novels, which was really helpful. So, I guess, you know, I'm working on, I guess I'm working on, you know, not, not fretting about everything and not, like, not entering a thing and being like, what's wrong and what can I, what can I fix? And, you know, like, just, like, sometimes just, you know. Try to, you know, just be there and see what's happening. And, mm. I mean, yeah. that said, you know, I, I, I have gotten back to, I think, the thing that I, like, I love doing, like, a tiny part in, like, a TV show. I, like, I loved, I loved writing a sketch. It's like, do the, do the shit that you love all the time. Mm. It's easy for me to say that. I'm in a super privileged place. But I also, <clears throat> I do need to remind myself, like, I'll probably be happy tomorrow if I like write a, if I wrote a sketch about something, it would probably be really fun. Um, oh, so I'm working been, on you. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry for interrupting. Go ahead. No, no, no. Oh, no, no. That was the end of the sentence. Yeah. Um, I was just thinking about, um, it was something that I would struggle with, with like, um, if I just was, preconceived notions of like oh i think i know exactly how this is going to go oh my god wrong. they don't i don't think these people value me as a as my art or da, 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 or whatever that means and it was listening to maria bamford and it was something that she said i don't remember where she said it but it was just something of like 
having to stop going, I know what this is going to be and just let it find out That's what fantastic. it's going to be. That's fantastic. But the, the one thing I've learned over the last couple of years too is every time like I see somebody coming towards me and I think something vaguely negative about them. There was a family coming towards me at the Grove and the mother was pushing a double stroller, but she also had a cigarette in her hand with the double stroller. And I'm like, oh, look at these fucking weirdos. Here come these weirdos. Double stroller, giant cigarette. And then, of course, as soon as I make eye contact, they look at me and they're like, Thomas! Thomas! Oh, Thomas, we love you. And I'm like, see? <laughs> Every time I like quietly sit back and I'm like, I'm going to sit and try to like think something shitty about somebody. Let's see if I can do that. Every single time I do that, like the universe, those are the only people that like me. <laughs> like, they're the only people that actively reach out and are like, we actively think that you're great. And I'm like, of course, because I was sitting here being a, being a dick. Mm. You're just having a cigarette and you got a double stroller. It's fine. I mean, <laughs> well, you got the double stroller. It tells you why you need the cigarette. It makes sense. Exactly. It's a, you had a stressful day. What was what I really was thinking was like, I should have been thinking like, oh, that cigarette looks really great. And it took me years to kick it. Why am I shitting on these people who I've never seen before walking up with the double stroller? And then it turns out they're a delight. They're a, I did the exact same thing. I was at a restaurant in Vancouver when the world was open. And at the next table, there was a family and the, the teenage daughter was watching a makeup tutorial on an iPad during the entire dinner. And I was just sitting there and I was like, these are the worst people in the world. Their daughter's watching a makeup tutorial during dinner in a nice, and then they leaned over and they're like, can we get a picture with you before we go? And I'm like, of course, because you're wonderful. <laughs> wonderful people. And your daughter just needed something to look at. And it's a dark restaurant. So she couldn't have, ugh, just like fucking... Oh, there's a great, here's what I'm trying to live my life by. There's a U2 song I'd never heard until recently. You know the U2 song called Get Out of Your Own Way? Mm -mm. It's so catchy. It's sing just it. like, it goes, well, we can't on the podcast, but I can sing you <laughs> one bar. It goes, get out of your own way. Ah, ah, ah. And it's just like a weird little piece of advice, but it's like, oh, right. Am I, am I in my own way today or not? Mm. Or am I being useful? Yeah. Yeah. And not, not blocking myself from doing something that would be really fun. Don't block your blessings. Dude, I got a short version of that. I know we're wrapping up, but... No, so I like talking with you. When I, uh, when I wrote the Run and Boil, the first novel that I wrote, mm -hmm. I gave it to the, the top book agent at UTA. Um... It was like a big deal and everybody's like, this is the guy. And he read my book and then he sat and we met at the Roger room next to Largo. And he like plopped down and chatted for a while. And I bought him like a really nice drink. And then he put my book down on the table and he's like, I don't get this. I don't, I, I don't think it's for me. I don't think it's really a book. Like, I don't really get it. I don't, I don't think anybody's going to buy it. <laughs> and I just don't know what it's not. I don't think it's for me. And then, of course, I went home angry and I almost threw away the book. I was just so upset. I was like, I work fucking, you know, and instead of being sad, I turned it into being angry, which is what I'm super great at that. So, um, 
came home, almost threw the book away. And then my attorney was like, oh, you know, can I give the book to one other person before you like get mad and like throw, burn it just, you know, to be mad at yourself and prove nothing to nobody except that how mad you can be about that somebody didn't like something that you did. Which is what I was about You're to like, do. He doesn't like it. No one gets no one it. No You know, that's word for word what my vibe was. Yeah. Then you don't get me. So he then gave it to uh, a different book agent who's actually the woman who represents Gillian Flynn, who wrote like Gone Girl and stuff. And she called me back a couple of days later and she's like, this is my favorite book I've read in years. I love it so much. Can't wait to represent you and this book. So... I ended up writing three of those books and now I'm writing the movie based on those books and it only took one person to almost talk me out of doing it. Mm. It took one person who didn't like it at the Roger room who was kind of condescending <laughs> and shitty. But, you know, don't, don't throw the novel in the fire the first time somebody says they don't like it they might be just fully wrong <laughs> <laughs> and then of course every time i write one of the books i say to my wife jenny i'm like i'm gonna dedicate this book to that guy who hated the first one i'm gonna like i should say like two and i was like when it made the new york times bestseller list i'm like i'm gonna have it framed and sent to that guy just to show him and my, jenny's like is that who you are is that who you are a guy who and I'm like, no, I'm not that guy. No, that's mm -hmm. terrible. Wanna be, wanna, wanna be. be. That's wanna my, be. Wanna I, be. I think we're. One, if you wanna be my love. Uh, <laughs> if you wanna uh, hold a grudge forever and burn down every possible bridge. <laughs> no. Anyway. But I can. I'm very petty. I'm, I mean, but I think oh, it's being it's driven. How, that's part of, of it. You hold on to things. You find things. You my say, God. oh, thank. You, sometimes those are my best comedy sets is if my first couple jokes don't work and I go, oh, okay, you don't yep. believe in me? Let uh, me show you. It's only better. It only gets better. It only gets better. It's like when Jordan has the flu. <laughs> yeah. It is. But then, yeah, but, but I think there is, better. A, there's gotta be a separation between that and like you said, there's times where I've been like, I will be like, oh, I'm gonna show them and then I go like, well, even if I do show them, it'll probably be a year or two from now and they'll, <laughs> they'll have forgotten. <laughs> Who's hey, who was that for? It yeah. was just yeah. I was like, I'm gonna be mad about this. I'm gonna so excited to be mad about this. Ooh, I'm so mad. No, no one cares. They're, everybody has their own thing they're worried about. Mm -hmm. They won't even remember that you're mad at them. No, it's the saddest thing. It's the saddest that thing. makes you feel sometimes. Yeah. That'll make you angrier. <laughs> <laughs> How do you not remember that? I'm so mad at you, and you don't even remember that. Oh. <laughs> Do you have any other piece of advice to share with us? Do you have anything, a, a mm. nugget of wisdom? That was a great one. That would have been perfect to end on, but I didn't, I have to ask. No, we got to go a little further. We always got to go one further. Um, do I have any nuggets? I don't know. I think the best nugget I have is what you said to me before, which I didn't quite realize, which is, I'm, I'm other than like that I have a house and a, a son and uh, a family and stuff, like I, like my my creative days are very much like they were when I was in the state. Like I try to sit down and think of like, oh, what would be, 
what's something that's just a little bit weird? What would be something that would be funny? And, you know, and I guess I would say this, which is, it's so nice when uh, you say something like, oh, look at all the things that you've done. The things that you've seen that I've done is a tiny fraction of what I've really done. The vast majority of what I've done, no one ever saw because it didn't come out or it didn't get made. You know, I'm just always paddling along and I love, because I love it. I love it. I love it. I would write sketches for no one. And I usually, that's mostly what I'm doing. (laughs) (sighs) Uh, I love that. And I think, um, all the things you just said are one of the reasons why I've been drawn to you even before I, I knew you. And then once I did know you, I was like, man, I just, I, I like learning from you, whether you're aware from it, uh, of it from afar and just watching what you do and, and, and trying to emulate it and putting my own spin on things because we're similar in that regard of just like, I'm just feel so lucky to be a part of it and that people want to see me. And even when it's not that many people that want to see me, the fact that I get to do it, the fact that I can take care of my son, the fact that I have my wonderful wife <laughs> and I can do all of this by telling jokes and being oh silly. And- do you know how many people in the world could do that just from being funny? Like, that's a great thing to remember. It's like, you're so funny that you live somewhere nice because of it. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing that's happened like a thousand times in the history of the world <laughs> a couple thousand times in the history of the world that's happened a couple thousand times <laughs> I'm serious I'm not kidding um, okay let's hang out in Chicago are you going to be in Chicago this summer ever? yeah absolutely are you really yeah let's do it absolutely I'm just over the border in Wisconsin but I'm very close by I love to you, and I'm also yeah. Oh, man, God, shots will be done. Oh, you know what? There's a big renaissance fair, by the way. Kind of up by Great America. I'll go kilt it with if, you. If you think that you and me are kind of famous here, wait till we're at a renaissance fair across from Great America. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm on board. Can we be separate areas, though? Because I don't want to have to compete with you. No, 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 no. But it's different. No, no, no. It's like, a, it actually, is, it's a, it's... It's a Venn diagram that it explodes. The middle of that Venn diagram. Oh, that is fun. The people they go, oh, Ooh, oh, oh. <laughs> it's a it's a great Venn diagram. <laughs> Suddenly, people are like, I never thought that this Renaissance fair across from Great America. Holy shit! <laughs> also, it'd just be fun to start making rim fairs a celebrity hotspot, and people have to start sending. Uh, you know, publicists and everything over there to cover the rent fair. Well, and the other weird thing is that then it's like, it's like a little bit amplified. It's like, I wouldn't go talk to one of them. Holy shit. It's both of them. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) Two people who kind of sound like their name, like they're as friendly as their name sounds. (laughs) They're both as friendly as their name. Let's go get, they're probably both have their shots. Let's go squeeze them. Let's go squeeze those dudes. (laughs) It's very squeezable. Look out, Gurney. Look out, Gurney, Illinois. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I love you, man. I love you back. And that's the other thing that I do say more is like, tell people you love them. I love Mm -hmm. you. I'm so glad to see you and do this with you. That was a pleasure. I'm so glad that you agreed to come by. And I'm so It's a pleasure to know you. Okay. Let's do one of these again soon. Absolutely. Let's do one, a follow up after we've been to a Ren Fair together. 
Yeah. In a state, in like a slightly smaller state where we're both from and way more famous. I love it. Do it in person at the Rim Fair. Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) A little bit sad, but also, oh my God. So, yeah. (laughs) Like, I think at a certain point, if we're doing the podcast from the Gurney, the Rim Fair, and people are like, are they just doing this? Like, they're definitely just doing this so people will come up and say hi to (laughs) them. Are they charging for autographs? Because now it's just sad. What are they doing? Oh my God. This is sad. Now I'm already bummed out about it. But okay, we're doing we'll it. Fuck it. Do we're doing it. it. Yeah, it's fine. We're still doing it. Thank okay. you, Tom. Ron, love you. Love you too. Thank you guys Talk for soon. listening. Bye. <laughs>